Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now imagine it was full of highlights and notes in the margin and you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is the Notable Podcast. These are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting. This is Season 6, Strengthen Hearts, a podcast on First Thessalonians. So this is going to be like um, guzzling water from a fire hose today, Jonathan, because we have a lot to cover, like a lot. I mean, we're planning to cover two whole chapters of First Thessalonians. <laughs> now I just feel like it's summer, though, because that might actually feel good to be near a fire hydrant. It's That's hot true. by me. You know what they do? <laughs> do they do this in South Carolina and New York City? What, what, what everybody does is they take these wrenches and they open up the fire hydrants, actually. For real. <laughs> then it's then it's a spray ground or yeah whatever they call Every, it a sprinkler it's just like that's local um where people go to the pool right there in the fire hydrant it's cool we are we are going to try to cover a quite an expanse material it's this is going to be the biggest expanse that we're ever going to cover at one time at least as we go through this season and that's because we want to cover both, both chapters two and three and I think we've done a pretty good job breaking down the chapter. Timothy, we'll, we'll let our listeners decide, I guess. But it's a, it's a little bit. To me, I, you had a fire hydrant in mind. I had the Mackinac Bridge in mind. The Mackinac because, Bridge. Yeah, it's like a suspension bridge. We're trying to bring people across a large expanse. But um, the point is this. We, we, got a, we got some beautiful chapters. These are heart, heartwarming chapters. I um I told uh I was talking to um uh one of the people that I shepherd and I uh, we've been talking through together on the phone actually uh first Thessalonians and and she told me that she read through chapters 2 and 3 and she said it was such a a heartwarming tender read and for her um in these in these times it was such a relief actually it was like it was like a fire hydrant on a hot summer day. It was, it was, it was beautiful. Um, the Apostle Paul is so warm, so tender, so winning here in this chapter. Authentic, yeah. Authentic, um, and I, I, I hope every, I hope everybody enjoys that. Like, um, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be gentle, not biting. Um, it means to be a unifier, not a divider. And this is so beautiful. The Apostle Paul is really modeling this. And we'll get into imitation um, as well. But he speaks this right into a time of great suffering, Timothy. Yeah. And so, like, just to kind of set the, what, you know, to cross, we're going to cross that Mackinac Bridge, if you will, in three different sections. So we're going to look at the first 12 verses. And I, I wasn't thinking we'd read all of these, but. We will. I do have some some of the verses that we'll we'll want to highlight and bring out, and then we are going to pick up the end of chapter two, and then and then so we will, and then we'll get into chapter three a little bit. 
Um, so we'll 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 definitely be covering the whole chapter, and we'll invite you to read it along um, when you get a chance. If you're, um, you know, at home, just to have your Bibles open for that. But the that first expanse, we really just want to talk about the motive for relationship, and I wanted to just kind of prime the pump, if you will, by reading this verse. Because the apostle, we got a lot of water. Yeah, there's water water everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Fry the pump. Yeah. So we got fire hydrants, bridges, or whatever. Here we go. So we want to talk about motives first, because Paul does. He says, "For the appeal we make, this verse three, does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you." So motives, motives for being in relationships with people. And there's all kinds of different motives. I mean, we have, we have some listed. It could be one motive could be greed. <laughs> yeah. He's money. Got mm-hmm. um, one power power. Yeah. Or that's one, what flattery is. Sometimes you're it's, trying to gain power, right? Sometimes you're just trying to personally feel good uh, because people look to you. So there's all kinds of different motives for relationship. And Paul says he actually names a couple that he says, I'm not in a relationship with you Thessalonians um, for flattery or manipulation. But instead, he comes to them with the gospel as his only motive. Yeah, so, I mean, go back to verse 3 for a second. Uh, He's got, first of all, this is just kind of fun to notice the Apostle Paul's literary style. Again, what you have here is a triad. You've got error, impure motives, or uh, possibly trying to trick you. So he's got got a triad there. And the first thing he says is... um, um, often, and this is important, he, he says, uh, we're not coming to you out of error. Um, a lot of teachers do. A, a lot of teachers, they come with perfectly good motives. They, they are nice people. Um, they are kind people. They are authentic people. And they are wrong. And they don't know it. And so... They're errorists. So it, it means your spirit has no idea uh, that, 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 that you're way off track. They're perfectly sincere people. And that brings us to the, the second thing is you have impure motives. So you're, you're propagating a message. You know, the Apostle Paul is obviously here propagating a message, sharing a message. Uh, but he's doing it for for other reasons other than just to share this message. He's got impure motives. Um, he's got a double mind going on. Um, so you can be, uh, in other words, you can. there's two reasons why you would maybe share a message for the wrong reasons. One is the message is wrong. You have the wrong message altogether. You're in error. Or you're sharing the message for the wrong reason. Or then finally, the error can be rooted in the audience. Um, you're going to them to get something from them. Um, so you're trying to trick them. You're trying to manipulate them. You're trying to flatter them. You're trying to take their money. The Apostle Paul 
names those as possible motives as well. And the Apostle Paul says, none of that is true. None of that is true. At least for what he's doing. Yeah, for what. Yeah. I saw I saw a Facebook post from a very influential pastor today. Um, his name's John Maxwell. And the post said before he was 28, he raised, um, he started a church with three people. So he, his wife, and his na- the neighbor. And before he was 28, he literally was one of the biggest churches in America. And underneath the, the Facebook post, was, which was inviting pastors to pay to learn from John Maxwell how to raise up a church like that, um, people were commenting. And they said, uh, John, your post doesn't have one single thing about God in it. Mm. And they said, if you really desire to reach the lost, why wouldn't you just help pastors do this for free? Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of people in ministry, and I, I'm really sad to have to say this, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And um, I think we have to be really careful about that and about the messages that they that they bring. And I, I was heartened to see that there were some people of discernment on there saying like, hey, you didn't. You don't even care about God. You didn't even talk about how God is the builder of the house and not not any one person, you know? So, yeah, there's me going off on a soapbox. But the Apostle Paul recognized that even in his day, there's these people with wrong motives. The trouble is with wrong motives. And the Apostle Paul, I think we should tease this out of this paragraph, is when you have wrong motives, um, and this is where we can lean on uh, we can always lean on the Lord Jesus. So, uh, but you can lean on on Jesus when He um, likens Himself to a shepherd, and and when people are following as Christian under shepherds, they don't flee when the going gets tough. Um, they're not hired hands, and they're not in it for the money. They're they're in it for Jesus. And so, uh, the Apostle Paul here says, "Look, we suffered a lot." That's that's verses one and two, you know. He's laying the groundwork for this. We suffered a lot, and and we and we and and so we're doing it for the for the right reasons. <laughs> right. And one thing one thing that I want to highlight right now, and that the Apostle Paul highlights throughout these chapters that we're looking at today, is that he really, when he would go about his ministry and he would think about his motives, it was always as if. He, he knew that God's eyes were on him. So he, and he even says that as he's writing this book, to, this letter to the, the, the Thessalonians, he says, God is our witness. Um, he, he talks about that on, on so many different occasions, God who tests our hearts, he says. So he, he it's almost like he's saying, yeah, Thessalonians, I was speaking to you, but I wasn't, all of everything that I was saying, everything that I was doing, I was doing it in the presence of God. And it, it, I think it, that's such an important awareness for our spiritual lives. That, And it's so easy to lose this focus, but everything that we do, everything that we do is really done in the presence of God. God is a witness to it. And 
yeah, I don't, that's law and gospel. If we can, but... if we can have, and the Spirit does this through the Word of God, but if we can have a God-centered spirituality, not a me-centered spirituality, that's the difference. If we can receive our approval from God, um, not necessarily from people, uh, we can stand strong in the storm. And um, it's the di- what we're talking about, and people talk about this all the time, is the difference between pleasing God and pleasing people. And in Christ, we know that we have pleased God. And when we live out of that, we become these powerful Teflon-like people so that when others try to tear us down or circumstances tear us down, we can have this this powerful stamp of approval through the Holy Spirit, knowing that uh, we've been loved by God. And now we get back to that that chosenness idea too. But the reason why I I talk about it like that is um, I I hear a lot of talk sometimes um, when I listen to people. Uh, we Christians we we care about this stuff. We don't want to be people pleasers. We want to be God pleasers. We see the sin in trying to be um, a people pleaser. And what we end up doing then is we start just um, beating ourselves up like self-flagellation. We're just whipping ourselves spiritually. You're such a people pleaser. Why don't you knock that off? You did it again. You did it again. You did it again. And um, it's good to repent. But um, sometimes what ends up happening is when we just beat ourselves up for our people pleasing, what that actually is is another form of narcissism. It's just another way of just pleasing myself. See God, do you see how sorry I am? And instead, what God wants is he's given us this incredible witness. This is my long way of saying it. This incredible witness in the Apostle Paul that in the, we do live in the presence of God. He does approve of us in Jesus Christ. And we get to live our lives for him. Um, it's an audience of one, you know. It's an audience of one. Yeah, and there's joy in that. There's 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 real there's real pain in remembering yourself when you you're always going to be able to find sin, something wrong with you. But there's real joy in being forgetful of yourself and remembering that God is your savior, that he's your father, he's your redeemer. He's he's given you a spirit and and all of a sudden you're you're just playing to him. He's your he's your audience, and you get to share the gospel with that same gospel with the people around you. I brought a word uh, back in um, it was on Ash Wednesday at my church, and I was talking about this exact idea. Uh, my daughter uh, comes up to me sometimes, and she says, "Look, Daddy," <laughs> mm. and she's so proud, and. I use that image in a sermon, and this must be something that people think about, that Christians think about a lot, because people responded to this sermon, and I said, look, this is what we're doing with our lives. We just say, look, Daddy, and that's what it's about, uh, living for Him, and that's when we can't find any joy in serving people, we can always find uh, joy in serving God. Yeah, He's he's our Father, and and I think as you meditate on, on, on that, that image of being in relationship with our Father and, and letting Him be our, our one audience and 
and he's just so pleased with us in Jesus Christ. Um, it, it's not surprising then that you find these relational images throughout the rest of the chapter. And I just wanted to read a, a couple of them and meditate on these images because the Apostle Paul brings them into his relationship with the Thessalonians. And for example, in verse seven, he says, instead, we were like young children among you. And of course, he's talking about that gentleness that he went, the way in which he came to the Thessalonians. And then he says, just as a, this is still verse seven, um, metaphoric shock here, like double and triple metaphors. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. So you have this incredible image of a nursing, a nursing mother, and it's there's so much love, so much doting, so much gentleness. Um, and then again, he comes back in verse eleven. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, uh, encouraging, comforting, urging. And there's NYPD going by, uh, who calls you into his kingdom and, and glory, right? Um, such gentleness, but fatherly, he's fatherly, he's motherly, he's um, even like a child. And there goes the seven train on the way by. Welcome to New York City. Already. Yeah, this is my life, right in the middle of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> we got all kinds of, you know, to break it down, though. Oh, I missed uh, one. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, you got you to gotta finish it up. Yeah, an, we have another family metaphor where the Apostle Paul actually imagines himself to be a child. And it, this is just heartbreaking. This is verse 17. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated you from you for a short time, just the heartbreaking metaphor of a child who, who knows what it means to put um, their parents in the ground and to be orphaned. That's how the Apostle Paul felt about being separated from his his dear church in Thessalonica. You know, there's there's so many observations to draw from this. One is that uh, you really can't accuse the Holy Spirit of playing favorites with <laughs> with his mm -hmm. metaphors. Um, there's um, very feminine metaphors here. There's very masculine metaphors here. Uh, there's a father here, there's a mother here, there's a young child. There's actually two two kinds of children here. And it's 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 really beautiful. And each each one of those metaphors has something uh, unique for us. And each one is worth um, really imagining. I asked my church in a Bible study uh, which one was their favorite one. And there was no agreement because they're all so good. <laughs> They're also good. Which one's your favorite one? Some people said, uh, I liked imagining the young child. Some people really resonated with the mother one. Um, you can guess who those people might be, the father one. The, um, the point is that Paul is, is leaning hard into relationships here. And 
If you go back to verse 6, you can begin to see what his contrast is. He says, We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. So when he's rolling in to this letter, he could have leaned into his authority. He could have said, look, you need to, you need to call me apostle. Um, you need to realize who I am to you. And he does that. In other books of the Bible, he absolutely does that. And there's a time and place when authority has got to be stated and and um, authority has got to be used. But he rolls into this church that was hurting and that was doing so well under persecution and suffering and he just wants to come next to them and he wants to put his arm around them and he wants to help them remember who he really was to them because it's really easy to forget when somebody's gone <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's so beautiful just to see the type of relationships that God can put us into it. I'm, I'm just kind of reflecting on that. Just they had gone from complete strangers and in a short, relatively short amount of time, the apostle Paul's thinking of them as family. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all family talk. Mm, mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's just, all... it's just so beautiful. I, <laughs> it's, it's really moving. And that's what happens when you join a Christian church. It doesn't take long, does it? And you got your family. And there's somebody there who's going to be like a mother hen and who's going to watch over you and take care of you. (laughs) That's the wrong metaphor. I'm trying to get to the mother thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's, and you get to be like a child with them. I mean, what's it, what's it mean to be like a young child? Um, if you just tease that out for a second, what does it mean to be a young child with people? You're honest, you're authentic, you're not putting on an air. Check out my degree, check out my career. You're just with them and you're playing in the sandbox like this is fun and this is good. And you know, um, what does it mean for young children to be together in the same room? Um, wow, um, thinking about that, the pain, the pain of losing each other, that's the orphan idea. Um, what does it mean to have a father in your life? Um, somebody who is um, wants to protect you and is fierce for you uh, and cares for you. Uh, that's what we're talking about. You really have, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is helping these Christians understand they have new family. That would have been significant for them, um, Timothy. That would have been very significant. It's probably very significant for a lot of our listeners. Um, I, I noticed there was um the, a couple of people in my Bible study, they they did they when we went through this as a church together, they the people who appreciated these verses the most were those who had family members who uh, who's who where a relation biological family members where a relationship had been hurt or severed because of the Christian gospel. And these were verses that helped them realize, God had given them a transcendent family. Um, the Thessalonians right. would have so you're been talking in about same people boat. like their family broke with them because they became Christian. That's right. Yeah. Or distanced themselves from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to think about. And what family does, I mean, all of these ideas are connected, but what family does is it it actually gives us someone to I- imitate. And that, that's kind of what we wanted to push into next is just giving us how God gives us somebody to guide us and to be discipled. I mean, this is a really, really important idea. Um, and the, the Thessalonians got that. Here's one verse, this is from chapter 2, verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in um, Christ Jesus. And all of that kind of language, this kind of imitation languages uh, language is really throughout the chapter the apostle paul says you um, became a model that's a, way back in verse one um, so they they imitated others but then others imitated them and um, a good really good and positive chain of christian virtue christian love christian faith christian hope um started propagating throughout the world yeah imitation is is a very big deal you can sense it just underneath the skin of the chapter everywhere you can look again at at verse 2 9 surely you remember brothers and sisters our toil and hardship we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you you can just sense you know the apostle paul is doing his ministry but he's also doing business out here and out there in the marketplace and uh, people were seeing that people were experiencing that so that they were then able to go and imitate the apostle paul and so we should um imitations imitations a big deal i i think imitation has been um I don't know. Maybe it's just my own experience, but my experience is that imitation's always second rate. Like uh, when you go to the grocery store, you don't you don't want to get imitation crab or imitation lobster or whatever you want. You want the real thing, and uh, imitation is more than just the sincerest form of flattery. It's it's more than just mimicry. Like. If you see somebody do something, then you just you're kind of making fun of them. Imitation is, um, it's a, it's it's discipleship. I don't know what else to call it. It's discipleship. There is a great need for uh, what I'll call right now a fleshed out life, an embodied life. Um, Christians, we need to see. Uh, we need to not just hear. But there's a certain sense in which we need to see how the Word of God is is meant to be lived. And, and of course that's true. Um, to not agree with that is to, in a sense, um, deny our own physicality. <laughs> we're, not just, we're not just bodies, or we're not just souls, we're also bodies. Um, we need far more than just soul information. We need bodily information. We need to see the Christian life fleshed out for us. It, and Timothy, if you if you think about it, Jesus had a strong program of Im- imitation. If if you think about how he ministered to people, um, he didn't, uh, you know, put them in a chair and tell them, 
this is what you need to know and then and then just send him off he he said to people follow me and then he lived life with them and they were able to see uh, a truly incarnated fleshed out uh, Christian life so that so that being a Christian was what was his teaching first and primarily but it was also teaching by doing teaching by watching um, we do the same thing whenever we, we read the Word of God like right now um, we we just in this podcast we we just spent time looking how did how did Paul find strength uh, to deal with suffering in people and we said well he he had this consciousness of God uh, this awareness of God's approval that 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 empowered him and so then we can learn as we see the Apostle Paul do that um, imitation is is just incredibly incredibly helpful incredibly important more so than maybe we 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 think about uh, probably we don't think about that enough is what I'm trying to say yeah and some sometimes I think people do this on their own though even if the church doesn't really help people to find models for Christian life um, I remember before I got married thinking about the different kinds of marriages there are and Christian marriage and looking to well what can marriage look like between a man and a woman and what kind of what what is that relationship uh, look like as well um, so we I remember doing that myself and and we need those kind of there's people little kids will look up like little girls will look up to other Christian women in the congregation sometimes it's Sunday school teachers sometimes it's not because these Christian women will give them the time of day and little boys will do that with with um, Christian men as well they're always reading the Christian men what what does it mean to be a Christian man what does it mean to be a godly man and so single people can be um, imitated and married people can be imitated and and women and uh, men all kinds of different uh, stations in life um, really important to find someone that we can even imitate as well well that's that's what I would take from this the Apostle Paul's putting himself forward as a model as something to be imitated and so we can start there um, we can also start by looking at Jesus, uh, but it, as you as you think about uh, going beyond the the many many witnesses of Christian life in this in the Scriptures, um, one of the reasons why God incorporates us, um, and I use that word on purpose, like we're being put into a body. That's what incorporate means. Um, we're being put into the body of Christ is so that we can look around and say, oh, that's what it looks like to be a man. That's what it looks like to be a friend. And to be able to discern in our lives through that uh, different ways of living. And I think you're right, Timothy. A question we can all ask ourselves is, who has God put around us that we can look at and say, that is, that's what it looks like for me. To, to be a wife. That's what it looks like for me to be a child. That's what it looks like. Um, and and to look up to those people and, and to find ways to get close to those people and to ask them questions. How, how, why did you do that? What what was going through your mind? 
um, specifically as a way to learn about how to do life. Yeah. So a lot of times people talk about um, coaches or mentors or, you know, there's a lot of different words for this. But what we're saying is these are good people to have in your life, people that are godly people that you can kind of see, ask advice from and and really become uh, imitators of them. And I got I got I got a couple I got three comments about maybe how to do that if people are thinking about that. Here's the first one: realize that age has nothing to do with it. Age has nothing to do with it. Um, somebody who's 20 years older than you might be the best model you got. Somebody that you can sit with, have coffee with. Um, also, maybe somebody younger than you is a fantastic model. Um, it just so happens that God has called me to be a model for people who are in many cases a lot older than me. And that's what happens when you become a pastor to people uh, who have a lot of life experience. Um, I, get to, I get to model Christian life even though I'm younger. And so age doesn't have anything to do with it. The Word of God has everything to do with it. The Holy Spirit has everything to do with it. Christian discernment has everything to do with it. And so it, it is very possible to be wise beyond your years um, and, and to... So when you look, you, that's one thing is don't think about age necessarily. But secondly, trust God. He has the incredible ability to send people in your life that you need. Um, and then finally, uh, be strategic about it. Actually sit down and say, who has God already placed in my life? that I can look to. This is what it looks like for me to be a Christian in this time, in this place, um, in 2020. Yeah, all really important stuff. All really important stuff. I wanted to, I wanted to bring us to our last topic for today. And this is so, so important. Is it, it, While we're in these relationships, what inevitably is going to happen is suffering. And... This is the Apostle Paul. We create these relationships in some way, in 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 some ways, to prepare ourselves for that inevitable suffering. And here's what Paul wrote. This is chapter three now. Um, he's writing to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So that's the end of chapter two, or chapter uh, three, verse two, and in verse three now, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials for you know quite well that you were destined for them destined that's a strong word that's a very that. strong word <laughs> so in in this case it's the thessalonians are undergoing persecution and it, you know like paul says this was this was always going to happen it was in god's plan he knew that it was going to happen. Um, and, you know, I want to just dive right into some thoughts about that. Uh, let's not get thrown um, for a loop. Let's not get pushed off our foundation just because bad stuff happens, like a pandemic or like a trauma in your life or like persecution, whatever it may be. Um, Let's not go through life naive thinking that bad, you know, what we think is bad 
um, will never happen to us. It's going to happen. You know, don't I, get unsettled. It's like, don't, I, I have this idea in my head of like these, the water getting stirred up and, and the sediment coming up. And then all of a sudden we're just so confused about like the world. And we think that, that God all of a sudden disappeared or something like that. This is what Paul's saying. Like, don't be unsettled when this stuff happens. Since water's our theme, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you can get like a, you can get dunked by all the Bible passages that that tell you uh, to be a Christian is uh, to expect suffering. Uh, we should not be surprised by by suffering at all. When we are surprised by suffering, it's because we weren't listening. I had a this all all of this it makes me reflective but um it also moves me you know i think about whenever i baptize somebody timothy i, I i'm i i always um crack after the baptism i i get very moved and one there's there's many reasons for that uh, my joy my thanksgiving about what god has done through that but I also I think about conversations I had like um, there was a man I baptized a couple of years ago and I sat down with him we had a lot of talks I taught him a lot of things uh, before he was baptized many many hours of, of instruction but just before his baptism I sat him down and I said do you realize that after you're baptized life isn't going to get easier it's going to get harder see because Satan had you before, and Paul brings up Satan here in this in this scripture, so I think I can too right now. And I, I said, do you realize that before you weren't a threat to him, and he didn't need to pay attention to you, because you were already well in hand, but now that, now that you're going to be baptized, you're going to be a threat to him. Uh, you're going to be somebody who's going to be hot on his radar. Um, we should not be unsettled by these things. Um, a lot of thoughts running through my head. Yeah. We, we need to, to live life in a way that is, is grounded on what's the reality of this world and the reality of this world is that it's a broken place. It's a place where sin has come entered in. It is a place where death has entered in and to ignore that fact is, is to really live um, in a fantasy world that, that isn't real. And so we need to remind ourselves of that. Don't get when, when suffering happens, when persecution happens, when, pandemic happens let's not let's not be surprised about that let's not let's not get unsettled by it in fact we can learn to expect these things we can learn to anticipate the suffering that's coming and and to, and to realize um who's behind it all like you already ta started talking about satan but paul does too listen to what he says for this reason when i could stand it no longer I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been 
in vain. And I want to just back up for a second um, because Paul wanted to go to the Thessalonians. He wrote this, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. So he, you know, he's interpreting the, the events of his life um, and although he cannot see Satan, he's understanding that Satan is really active, that Satan is dividing, that Satan wants to separate people from their pastor. He wants to separate people from fellow Christians. Um, and he was really successful in this case, really, really successful. Um, so living in a world of sin, living in a world of, uh, of death, living in a world where Satan um, wants to gain the upper hand, um, we have to anticipate suffering. And this is like part of our um, discharging of our pastoral office, I guess, is just like the Apostle Paul t said in verse 4, we kept telling you we would be persecuted. <laughs> we told you this was going to happen. <laughs> this is like, not not that it ever, it's, this isn't like a told you so moment. You know, told you so moments like, I told you so. <laughs> there's no there's no sarcasm here. I don't sense that with the Apostle Paul at all. What he is saying is, this this is something that we can expect. This is not something that we need to be surprised about. This is not, it's not like God is up in heaven saying, oh no, I didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, he knew it was going to happen. He has his purposes for allowing it to happen. And now it has. And what we need to do is open our eyes and um, be aware of how the tempter can use this. Because the tempter can always can use everything. He can use the good times and he can use the bad times. He can use, your, he can use the high life and he also can use the low life. So every... Uh, Everything can be an opportunity for the tempter to divide us, to tempt us, to ruin us uh, in a new way. Yeah, and I think as we think about the principalities and the powers of this world, like the Apostle Paul likes to call them, the, the spiritual dark forces that truly are active in our world and as we begin to see them with with spiritual eyes what's happening uh in our world today we just need to say this that our god has already won the victory <laughs> mm -hmm. and he, satan can make our life painful for a moment but we're we're on we're moving from victory to victory as his church and we the, the apostle paul moves from this you know satanic separation if you will and he reminds the people and he puts a blessing on them and he said this is why i want to remind you of your father um i want to remind you of jesus who is your savior this is why i wanted to make you brave hearts in the first place that's how this chapter ends may the lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and may he strengthen your hearts that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our god and father when jesus comes with all his holy ones so the day is coming like we're we're anticipating we're not there yet but we're in the meantime we're gonna be brave hearts um we we're in we know that that we're moving to the great day of the lord
I, and Timothy, I, this is my prayer for my people right now, too. And I know it's yours as well. It's may the Lord make your love, your love increase and overflow. How do you know that you're not being caught up in a satanic scheme? Well, if you're becoming more loveless, um, if you're getting harder, if you're um, going away from any kind of increase in love, uh, then you are. Uh, but when your love is increasing, when you think back on your pastor, uh, the apostle, and you say, I have pleasant, I haven't seen him for a while, but I have pleasant memories of that guy. You know, <laughs> that's what, that's, that's verse six. That's verse six. And I, I, I love my church and I, and I miss my church. Those are God's people. Those are the Lord's people. I love them. I wonder what's going on with them. Um, that's your heart is overflowing with love and my heart is doing that right now like I, I think of the people in my church I, I've been praying for them I, I've gotten to start seeing them uh, again and uh, may, may he strengthen all of our hearts that we love each other more and more may he strengthen us uh, to uh, not follow the ways of the world and to instead imitate Christ, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, in each other, uh, in supporting each other in our faith and, and living it out um, for him. Uh, that's what I got on my heart right now. May you do that in Jesus' name. Forgive us, love us, help us grow in him. If you are moved and you want to support this ministry, please go to www.thenotablepod.com.